to the latest episode of Band That's Force and Matt Weekly, the show where we love to chat about sports, the show where we love to chat about some entertainment, and we bring it all together to chat some sports entertainment. I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour. How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. We got a potpourri for you today. Lots of random topics, sampling some NCAA basketball conference tournament season, Boris. Big comebacks in the actual professional basketball league. Big trades in hockey, retirements, awards, the whole shebang of bang. But how are you doing today, big homie? I'm doing fantastic. Just uh, doing having like my one. My, this is like my one day of just like taking it a little tranquilo, man. This week's been crazy. Um, yeah, it's just been. I don't even know how much I've worked. I have to do my uh, my 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 card, my time card, my timesheet uh, for tomorrow, and I'm just like I can't. I'm giddy to see what I've reached because I've been literally working like what twelve hours minimum a day. Last week it was crazy, man. It was crazy. The reason why is because kind of hinted a little bit at it, but I wanted to make sure that it was all the information was out there. So the company that I work for got acquired by an American company. Good stuff. I'm I'm pumped. I'm ready. Uh, but I got to make sure that my whole team is good. My customers are good. Everyone's happy. Everyone's not you know not nervous. Uh, so it's just a lot of work, right? Uh, when you're when you're in, at that level, just got to make sure that everyone is uh, is is good to go and happy and not nervous, scared. Um, and then you know you got to reassure yourself that everything's going to be good. So that's been crazy on you know, the, the real life front, to say the least. It's been very long days and, like, very long days. Early starts, late ends, and, yeah, it's just been super tiring. So, yeah, so that's pretty pretty much it. So today's kind of like my, my one day of rest. Uh, and then, yeah, next week, this week, it's going to be super busy. But I think I'm going to take a few days the following week just to just – just to take a breather, because like, yeah, this week, just looking at my calendar, uh, you 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 see my calendar sometimes when I when we're trying to figure out when we're going to record, it's like back to back to back to back to back meetings. So that's kind of how this week is. Nice, man. Well, it's good. It's good that you're busy, but yeah, you, you, I mean, yeah, you you could be too busy. You definitely look tired, homie. But like, gotta gotta do what you gotta do. Sometimes, man. Do you get overtime for, uh, for passing that sweet sweet forty hour a week mark? No. Oh God, no, 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 no. <laughs> Come on, no. But but I am lucky that I do get loo time. So do I use the loo time? We'll see. Um, but I that's why I accumulate so much vacation. Right, like I already have a lot. But the loo time is crazy. Loo time kicks in like way after forty hours. But yeah, that that's the tech industry, right? You don't really get overtime. You get overtime if you get a beeper, like if you're on call, right? Like if you're DevOps, what we consider DevOps, uh, you know, or IT things like that, critical roles like that, where shit can go wrong and your company can lose money if something if they need you, right? Understood. Gotcha. Uh, well, that you know, that sucks, but at the same time, I'm sure uh, you know. Yeah, like like I said, you got to do what you got to do, buddy, and you stack that paper while you can, homie. That's the thing, right? Like, that's exactly it. But no, you know what? Overall, though, all things considered, I am doing good. Uh, it's just been, like I said, just the week's just been crazy, man. Uh, so, yeah, my attention's been like all over the place. 
and 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 still trying to to keep to keep uh to keep sane overall but uh yeah man it's been good it's been overall good because our friend tonight earlier today we're recording on sunday night Ooh, surprise we've recorded different times um and it was good it was honestly good times catching up with her uh i've known this friend literally since the first day of grade nine uh so it's always a fun time to catch up with uh with good old mon mon monica it's uh yeah it's, it's it's good it's good uh but uh so it's just so much so much to catch up on but uh say la vie no doubt, man. Uh, that's good that you saw an old friend, though. Uh, you got you to definitely take some Boris time, too, man. So I'm oh, yeah. glad that you got that in. Uh, that's that's very good. Glad to hear that, brother, brother. And, uh, you know, the Jays are starting soon. There's at least that well, to keep you going. We have a couple days of spring training down. Uh, I was actually chatting with uh, Agnew this weekend. Well, I chat with him almost every day, but specifically oh, this weekend. The godfather. The, Jays, the godfather of this place. Yeah. Um, we were chatting a lot of Jays and, uh, cause they started this weekend, uh, yesterday they faced the Pirates, so Saturday they faced the Pirates, gotta, gotta get used to saying the day rather than yesterday, tomorrow, today, uh, Saturday they faced the Pirates, we won that game, that was a fun game, but we got the Pittsburgh feed to Sunday. We had the oh, Jays boo. feed with the new broadcast team and everything. Uh, Joe Siddle, he's a lot of fun. I like that guy. Um, I think it's going to be a fun year on the broadcast side. Now, let's see how the team is, right? The team is super different, uh, but uh, we'll see how that's going. We lost it today against the Yankees, but it's spring training. Who cares? You know what we should talk about next week? The World Baseball Classic. Oh, very interesting. When is that? March seventh oh beautiful so yeah that is coming up soon yeah man that's that's a great call we definitely should preview that next week here on the bam show i'm into it yeah man so so that's that uh watch the dodgers on saturday actually also oh it's i think it's gonna be a long season for the dodgers which is good you know what it's one of those things where i want roberts fired so badly I'm almost willing to have a <laughs> shitty year, but I know it's not going to happen. That's hilarious. Um, the, the Dodgers, the Dodgers, right? Like they're they're a good team regardless. Uh, but yeah, it's just I just want Roberts gone so bad. Speaking of the Dodgers and the NL West, Machado's new contract. Oh, I didn't even see it. What is it? Can you pull oh, that you up? Oh, you didn't see that? It's an 11 year, 350 million dollar contract. Oh, that's for, uh, yeah, Manny Machado resigns with the San Diego Padres. There you go. 11-year extension, $350 million. He is staying in San-, San Diego to play for the Wales Vagina Padres. Very interesting. I thought he was going to leave. He's kind of like a malcontent, but I guess like whatever. If, he's even uh, Mich- If a team he's, is he's stupid to sign an older player for 11 years, why wouldn't he sign? Fair enough. Someone was going to give him that money. I, I think he, uh, if not, not San Diego, for 11 years. Else, maybe not. Maybe not. He would have gotten the he would have gotten the average. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Does he deserve it? Fuck no. But he would have gotten the average. Uh, but no team would have given him 11 years worth of that. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, currently, 
uh, Manny Machado, uh, he, is, he is a little bit down, I would say, from where we expected him to be, maybe. Is that fair? Like, he's not quite at his full potential. But he yes. is, he, uh, he's not, he's also not a spring chicken. He's 30 years old right now. He's turning Dude, 31 in July. That's what I mean. If a team is stupid to sign you for 11 years at that age, why wouldn't you sign, right? Like, I, I look, look, so those are the terms 11 years. $350 million. I want to see the breakdown because I'm pretty sure it would be a front loaded contract. I think so. I, it, it has to be. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think Manny Machado, one of the Hall of Fame, time gold glove here, according to baseballreference.com. Uh, he's he's earned his his pay, but yeah, you're right about the 11 years. No other team would have given him that a contract extending until he's 42. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, in baseball, like if he was a catcher, okay, I can see that. But a field player, okay. You know what saved him? You know what has saved him? The fact that there is a DH league around now. That's definitely helping. Yeah, he is. Yeah, everyone has a DH, not just the American League in baseball, which I hate, actually. I, I like hate the that. Uh, pitchers batting, but that's, hate it. Hate it. But whatever, we're old men yelling at clouds. At some point, we're going to be like, you know, completely out of, uh, yeah, out of touch on that one, but as of right now, I think I think we represent the majority of fans. Screw the screw the friggin' DH in the National League, but it does have help you, Manny Machado greatly. Have you seen what happened? Speaking of old men and setting their ways and yelling at clouds, did you see what happened? Yes, it's only spring training, but there was already controversy with this pitch clock. Yeah, absolutely. and Machado was one of the guys who was talking about it. Uh, players are not happy with the pitch clock. There are uh, mostly batters are taking strikes. It seems like because they're not getting in in time. Pitchers are pretty much ready to go. Although there have been some pitchers who have, uh, you know, taken balls because they weren't ready to pitch in time. But by and large, it feels like it's the it's the batters who are kind yep. of, you, you know, more affected by this right now. I'm not surprised. Can you imagine a Garcia Parra? He 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 always gets oh. struck out. So this is okay. So let's explain to the man. awesome listeners what's going on. So yesterday, bases was it? Yeah, bases loaded. Bottom of the ninth. Game on the line. Two outs. What happens? Pitcher or sorry, the batter takes too long. The umpire calls for the game. The runner starts running to first thinking that he got the ball but no he was not set up properly in the batter's box he got strike he got the third strike strikeout game over that's crazy do you remember what game that was i it's on the it's on the bam page i put the clip there on the bam page oh nice on, on the bam facebook page on the bam facebook, facebook page that's right there you go Yoo-hoo. Nice plug, homie. Also, strange Mario sound effect there, but we're gonna roll with it. And uh, yeah, that's that's my plug. Gonna voice. be awesome. <laughs> there you go. It's gonna be awesome when something like that costs a team a playoff spot right. this year. And I'm dead serious about that. Yeah, actually, we're I have a a startup baseball keeper league going with these new rules and stuff. It's a good time to start a new keeper league in baseball. So I'm quite excited for the for the baseball season in all facets. Jays should be good, although the team's a little less likable. Man, we all loved Lourdes. We all love T. Oscar. They're both gone. 
We got this. Here's the thing, buddy. Show kid, now whatever. Don't get too so connected to players. This that's the issue with Toronto. True. Toronto no. gets way too connected to their players in every sport. So when someone leaves for whatever reason, man, Toronto takes it so so badly. It's like they're getting broken up with. Well, it was a likable bunch, man. It was just a cool bunch of well, players to like, cheer for. Likable all you want, they didn't win. All right, fair, but it wasn't T. Oscar and Lourdes's fault. It was the fact that we didn't have a bullpen. We were saying that all of last season, literally. But anyway, I, I don't know. We're going to see. I'm, I'm still excited for the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm just saying. They, they traded two of my favorite players, so obviously that stings a bit. Yeah, well, it happens, man. It was the Boston Atlanta game that this happened in. And yeah, it is on the Facebook, on the BAM Facebook page. Uh, you can find that. BAM Weekly is the group name. At us. Have fun. There's a lot of conversation going on. I'm loving this. I'm like, I'm loving all the, the sports chatter that's happening on this page. Yeah, it's really cool, man. Yeah, small but dedicated fan base. I love it. And we're going to continue to grow here. Let's hope. Yep. All right. So that's that, man. So yeah. Baseball rules. We're going to talk a little more in depth about all the rule changes and stuff, but I just wanted to quickly bring up that holy crap, you know, the the pitch count or not the pitch count, the pitch clock is already costing games and it's only spring training. I you know, I don't know. I This is this is going back to like when we were talking about the Super Bowl, right? Like if we're following the rules by the book. This is the issue that you encounter where the game just just you take the fun out of the game almost to some extent yes but this is a good rule to speed yes. up the game which has come wildly to like it's it, it's way out of whack games are way too long so this rule is necessary i don't think it's taking any of the fun out of the game i think this is adding well, some fun to the game if more <sighs> yes yes I, I i most i mostly agree with you it's not taking the fun out of it but because Similar to how I keep saying, you know, uh, I, I hate the fact that they took off the, um, uh, you know, the how they have, there's no more. What do you call it? The, the shift. Batters need to learn yes. how to bat same way that batters need to learn how to get ready faster. Right. Like it's just one of those things. And let's be, let's be honest. Well, you know, we last week we were talking about ratings in sports and how ratings are falling in sports. And. In baseball, the average game was taking way too long. Dude, I, like the playoff games are almost unwatchable, unbearable to watch sometimes because the playoff games were taking almost four hours, right? Just for nine innings. If the game goes longer, that's more than four hours. Like it's crazy how long these games take. And, you know, the the the, the pitch clock at least brought that average down by like I, I believe it's half an hour in AAA. Yeah, it was a significant chunk of time out, and that's exactly what we need in baseball. I'm excited. There are some dramatic rule changes, man. It's going to be a, a chaotic first season, and I cannot wait to see how it plays out. That's part of the reason, I think, too, why Toronto made the the moves that they did, brought in the players that they did. Yeah, that, that's a great call. I never even considered that. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm still bitter about going to that game and the way that it all went down like the like <laughs> yeah. all, all cards on the table i'm bitter about that i get very bitter in sports um so yeah we're gonna be talking the rule changes the closer we get to the season we'll talk about the world baseball classic next 
weekend because I'm a I'm a fan of international sports. I'm a sucker for international sports, and the World Baseball Classic is a really fun one because the players actually do give a shit. Uh, they do care about that. Uh, kudos to baseball players for actually caring about the sport that they play for. Yeah, man, absolutely nothing more to add to the baseball chatter, homie. Let's uh, Blue Jays. Okay, let's play ball is my final thought. Are we ready to talk about Timo Timo and everything that's happened in the NHL? Yes, so Timo Meyer has been traded from the San Jose Sharks to the New Jersey Devils. Other than Pat Kane and Eric Carlson, who probably won't be traded, this is the biggest horse in the NHL trade deadline, and he has moved uh, to the New Jersey Devils. So I have a friend who is a New Jersey Devil, or, or sorry, who is a San Jose Sharks fan, the team that traded uh, Timo Meyer to the New Jersey Devils. His name is Kyle Romanyuk. He used to be on the Fear the Finn podcast. Uh, he has since moved to Australia, giving up the podcasting world. But uh, so I texted him the picture. The Devils have won the Timo Meyer sweepstakes. New Jersey has acquired the star winger and defenseman Scott Harrington from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for rookie Fabian Zetterland forward Andreas Janssen. Prospects Shakir Mukamula. Uh, sorry, this is a t this is a tough one. Mukamadulian, right? Shakir Mukamadulian and Nikita. Okochuk. So four prospects, a 2003, a 2023 first round pick, 2024 conditional first round pick. Four prospects, two draft picks for Timo Meyer and Scott Harrington. Texted that picture to my San Jose Shark buddy, good friend of mine, has been covering the Sharks, watching them since he was a kid. His response. This is fucking horrendous. <laughs> Mike Greer got taken out behind the woodshed and beaten with a sledgehammer by Fitzgerald. So I, I, I texted back, LMAO. And then, yeah, I mean, you did not get that A prospect you wanted, LOL. It is a poo-poo platter. Kyle texts back, they didn't even get a B. Shakir is maybe, maybe a B, but he's tall and not that great. And all the issues he had when he was drafted are still there. He hasn't developed. This is such a bad trade. So All right. that is how the, the 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 shark fan reaction is generally. I've seen some people saying, "Oh, it's it's decent trade." One or two people on Twitter saying the Devils gave up too much, which is ridiculous. That's not but uh, yeah, the general consensus is the Sharks did not get enough for Timo Meyer. No A plus prospects, no real interesting draft picks because the Devils are very good. Yeah. Well, here's the th okay. So <sighs> I'm of two minds here. You know, I, I think sometimes people forget the fact that all the GMs know what every GM needs, right? Yes. Like if you're the Leafs, you are going to pay a premium for a defenseman because every bloody team knows what you need. So here's the thing. San Jose clearly rebuilding, clearly trying to offload, clearly trying to get anything they can for good old Timo Meyer at this point. So rather than get nothing in a few months, you might as well get something right now. So I think that's kind of the mindset that they were going with. Um, and it also goes to show you the mindset of the San Jose Sharks where – you know, this is where the franchise is right now in the competitive cycle, so to speak, right? They are officially rebuilding. Absolutely. Yeah. It is uh, a quantity over quality trade, yeah. maybe, but they got a lot of things. They got six pieces, which could 
theoretically all be in the lineup at some point in the next three years, right? Hopefully that is the goal. So, I mean, if it works out for the Sharks, we'll we'll see. I definitely, I, I am surprised that they did not get that A-plus prospect just because we've heard like St. Louis offered uh, some interesting pieces. Obviously, the Leafs were said to be kicking around. There were a couple teams, Vegas. Although Vegas might not have that prospect. Vegas might have the same kind of trade to offer that New Jersey yeah. did here. But New Jersey does have uh, some very, very high-end prospects that they were able to hold on to yes. while making this trade. So uh, Carolina Hurricanes, the Blues, the Vegas, Golden Knights, the and the Devils were the four major teams that they were talking to. There you go. Uh, yeah, and it's a huge win for the Devils just because they didn't have to trade Nemec, who they picked really high in the last draft. They didn't have to trade any of their A++. Even Alexander Holtz, who's taken a step back, he didn't even get traded in this deal. So it was a, it's a big win for the New Jersey Devils who are gearing up for a Stanley Cup run this season. They are now one of the teams that we have to worry about as a contender in the National Hockey League for the next five to ten years. Man, the Devils are here. They have arrived. They are. It's crazy. It's crazy. Good for them. Good for them. Uh, it sucks for the San Jose Sharks because San Jose Sharks have ne- traditionally have never been bad. They've had shitty seasons, but they've traditionally never been in the shitter, right? Yeah, and us, it's like 91 when they came in. They made the playoffs really early, upset Detroit. They were like the Sacramento Kings of the National Hockey League for a very long time, or the Phoenix Suns, like that that 2005, seven seconds or less Suns. They were that in the NHL, that high-octane, entertaining team that made it almost all the way, but never won the big one. They made a final, I think, twice, maybe only once. Did they uh, make the final and lose to Pittsburgh, or did they make two finals? I want to say three zero lead in a series. My gut yeah, I think says it was only once. once. Yeah, I think they lost one Stanley Cup final to Pittsburgh. I want to say twenty sixteen. That might be incorrect, but yeah, man, uh, the San Jose Sharks. It is. It's a down period. I, I've always had a soft spot for that team. I like the teal jerseys. Miami Dolphins fan. Shout out the teal brotherhood. <laughs> and my buddy Kyle's a big Sharks fan. You know, so always always like the Sharks. I hope they figure it out. But I do think Mike Greer kind of got fleeced a little bit. Like they should have gotten more for Timo Meyer, brother. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I I like the Sharks. You know what I like about the Sharks? I you know the very very loyal fan base out in San Jose. Uh, you know yes. why? There's a very logical reason why the Sharks are a good franchise. Attendance is well done and high and beautiful arena. Beautiful arena. Amazing sightlines. Honestly, super cheap. And wherever you sit, great view. But there's a reason why they have great attendance. Why is that? San Jose is right outside of uh, San Francisco. San Francisco is a tech hub. Engineers from Canada are very famous for moving to San Francisco. There's a shit ton of Canadians in the San Jose, the Bay Area. That's why. There you there you go. There you go. And yeah, lots of Canadian transplant fans for the San Jose Sharks for sure. It makes a lot of sense. Yep. Yep. It, it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's good though. Like this that's to see, that's that's when the NHL is smart about where to put a team. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that pretty much concludes Hockey Talk. Trade deadline is uh, Friday, March 3rd. So by the time our next BAM podcast rolls around, we can give you the trade deadline wrap-up. But the biggest fish is already gone. Classic NHL trade deadline. The biggest players get moved the weekend before the deadline. And the deadline itself is boring. 
But hopefully Pat Kane can get moved at the trade deadline to the New York Rangers. That will be a big story. Yeah, so everyone assumes, just like Jake put on the BAM Facebook page, it's it's, it's New York, right? It, it That's, well... It's because he has a no trade and he's an expiring uh, contract after the season, right? So he can either sign with New York or only accept a trade to New York. So I think that's why everyone's expecting him to end up in New York sometime, somehow. And yeah, I I don't think it's going to happen at the deadline, but that is if it if it's going to happen, that if something's going to happen at the trade deadline, it's going to be Pat Kane to the New York Rangers. Yeah, yeah. I don't see... I don't see the price for a part-timer knowing that he's more than likely going to sign with New York in the offseason going to be too high, right? So I can either see him staying and signing with New York in the offseason or just going to New York now and signing a new contract just to get it over with. Exactly. I think it's going to be probably the the former. But, there, you, you know, who knows? He could even accept a trade to Seattle or Vegas or Toronto or somewhere if they come off the top rope with a huge offer just to try to win a Stanley Cup, win a playoff round. It would make sense yeah. for a team to do that. And maybe hey, Pat Kane would be willing. Yeah, man, maybe, maybe, maybe Pat Kane would be willing to help the Maple Leafs get out of the first round. Maybe he'd be willing to put him on his back. No, but Austin Matthews and Patrick Kane playing together, the U.S. boys winning the Maple Leafs, the Stanley Cup. There's, oh, a, there's a strange, there's a strange bit of irony in that, you know. You have no idea how much this American guy, this American lad, prays <laughs> for that. You have, I'm no sure, idea. It's kind of similar to TFC, right? TFC back in 2016, 17, 15, but 16 and 17 when they made it to the final, 17 when they finally won, were led by Josie Altador and Michael Bradley, the two good old American boys. Your boys, yeah. And now we're led by a, a motley crew of players. We didn't get the win uh tfc in the in the most recent game but the squad's looking good we should like make the playoffs theoretically we're one of the best teams in the mls no this year on paper on paper yeah we're we're uh, yeah on paper are we on paper so you know we're kind of like we're kind of like the clippers of the mls on paper i see yeah we're great but i don't think they they, they just don't play well as a team still having said that we're shifting seasons young now in singing Injured in the first game. That's a huge kick in the knit, in the gonads. Indeed, yes. So that really hurt the game. TFC played half decent. They did battle back down one nothing at the half. They ended up two one. But in classic TFC form, they let a goal in the ninety first minute, and then MLS seems to be using World Cup extra time. Uh, so in the ninety yeah. seventh, ninety eighth minute. Uh, they let in a second goal to lose 3-2. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, a real kick in the balls for, for any TFC supporter. But I got to say, I saw it coming. TFC, for some reason, they they they, they, they let, they uh, put the, they left the gas pedal, right? They they, they just, they didn't keep it going. They, they focused too much on, on the defense, and their defense just wasn't the best. They gave... DC United way too many opportunities to score. Yeah, uh, defense wins championships, baby, and that's that's gonna come with uh, 
team chemistry and effort and people knowing their positions, knowing their place on the squad. That's going to exactly. And shutting their mouth, if you will, Boris. So yeah, it's going to come with time. Uh, TFC. I'm still encouraged, but yeah, that was kind of a disastrous loss. (laughs) Watching the highlights. It was, it was a comedy. I am encouraged. I am encouraged. And next week we'll run through, you know what? I'm going to bring Phil. I'm going to bring Phil. We're going to talk some MLS next week. Do it. When's the soccer podcast? We're talking about that. We're trying to bring in another person. Uh, it'll probably happen within the next few weeks, uh, but it's gonna nice. be a. It's gonna be good because I don't know if you know this, and I, I don't think anyone realized this, but you know all the issues with the American coach, right? Uh, Greg Berhalter. He, you know, he got let go. There was a lot of issues. He uh, he did some misconduct when he was younger, and this was all brought to light by the wife of his best or sorry by the parents i guess of a player that he sat during the world cup there was a lot of drama a lot of drama okay soccer parents being soccer parents people accusing people of stuff u.s soccer pandemonium we broke this story on our podcast unofficially what do you mean so when the u.s played I forget who they were playing. I want to say Iran during the last group stage game. My friend was there. He was in the VIP section. And my friend, like, we're we're all connected, right? We all know people. So he was getting word that something weird is going on. The America camp uh, that, you know, and and blah, blah, blah. And we were talking about the fact that the coach um, who his wife was best uh, friends with this player's mom who... That's the player who got who got benched, and there was some some stuff going back and forth. And we were the first podcast to actually Jimmy talk about some of these issues. Fast forward two weeks later, it comes out that you know this whole blow up happened, and accusations started coming from the from the Reina camp to saying like, "Hey, Greg Berhalter, you know, beat up his wife when they were younger." Jesus Christ! Well, um. <laughs> right yeah I don't, I, yeah that, that that's that's shite uh yeah i don't even want to take credit for that one uh, no no I, I, we just said like we heard rumblings we we knew we heard what was going to come down we didn't go on the record to talk about it on on the show but we just said like people are going to be hearing about something in the next few weeks nice and indeed they did jesus christ well yep. um, so he's out as the as the national team coach yep he is for now uh, yeah, he is. I shouldn't say for now. I don't know why I said for now. He, yeah, he's out. I don't think they were going to re-sign him, to be honest, but that kind of solidified things. But the poor kid, man, you know, the poor kid, Reyna, his dad, his parents are just, like, acting goofs and, like, really ruining his prospects for, for any coach to trust them. Because why would you trust the parents? If you can't trust the parents, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's like Alonzo Ball situation. Yeah, that's exactly what I akin it to. There you go. Good uh, transition to basketball now, I guess, if we want. Uh, I watched the LeBron game this James. Afternoon. Yeah, I, well, I caught the highlights. LeBron James with the biggest comeback of the season to beat the Dallas Mavericks. The Los Angeles Lakers have life, although your boy LeBron was limping after the game. Kind of hurt himself in the well, third quarter there a little bit. His back. You know, it takes a lot to carry yeah, yeah. a team on your back. Holy crap, fucking 30 points down. 
Yes, 27-point hole, the biggest comeback in the NBA season. Lakers defeat the Mavericks, 111-108. You watched the game. Yeah, it was a fun game. Very fun game. Dude, it was frustrating watching Kyrie Irving. Oh, you should have seen the smug smile on his face throughout the entire game up until the fourth <laughs> quarter. Uh, amazing. Yeah, so the Mavericks, Luka Doncic, arguably the greatest basketball player alive right now. It's him or Giannis. And Kyrie Irving together on the Mavericks. Kyrie, former partner of LeBron James. They won a title together in Cleveland. And then Kyrie went off the deep end. Uh, he's a flat earther and an anti-vaxxer and uh, possibly an anti-Semite. It's neither here nor there. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, they are a Batman and Robin. Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they are a Batman and Robin. And uh, it was, you know, a battle of uh, four superheroes. It was something of a, a of a Marvel movie here. And uh, the dramatic comeback, I think I would go as far as to say the baby faces in this scenario, in this season, LeBron James and Anthony Davis with the victory. Depends who you ask. Depends who you ask. Depends who you ask. This year, this time, I love Luka, but I'm cheering for LeBron to make the playoffs and do some damage. The year that he breaks the scoring record, Anthony Davis healthy. I hope the Lakers are, are all right this year. Here's a fun stat. This is the first time. So the Lakers won this game, making 14 fewer three-pointers than Dallas. Wow. Lots of free throws, I guess. How did that happen? LeBron, honestly, dude, he was just like, even though LeBron got, what, like 20-something points, honestly, they were just running. They just ran in, and Dallas couldn't stop them, so there was a lot of fouls, right? They fouled out a lot, a lot of bonus points. Um, yeah, that's that's how they won, and some great defense in the like that last quarter and, and a little bit. Anthony Davis, when he wants to be, is an incredible defender. He had a great game, too. 30 points, 15 rebounds. As my, as the Night Rider theme plays on my phone to signify that it's time for me to check the laundry, Boris. Anyway, uh, man, oh man, what a, what a fun game this was! And it was, yeah, man. The Western Conference, the Western Conference is going to be quite uh, quite a treat in the in the NBA. Yeah, oh man, it really will be. Like, I think the playoffs are going to be a lot of fun this year because, like, you know, okay, going into this game. The Mavericks were in sixth place with a. Can you, do you have the records in front of you? I think it was thirty-two and twenty-eight, and then the uh, the Lakers had like a flipped record, and they were in thirteenth place. Six and thirteenth being separated by like six games. Yeah, that is it is pretty insane. I will pull up the records right now. So yes, the Dallas Dallas Mavericks thirty-two and thirty at this moment. Boris nailed it. Uh, so they, they're still in sixth. So, yeah, the, the, the top ten in the West, the play-in tournament right now would be the Pelicans, the Jazz, the Timberwolves, and the Warriors. They're all around 500. Warriors 30 and 30. Timberwolves 31 and 31. Jazz 31 and 31. Pelicans 30 and 31. There are also the Thunder at 11 and the Trailblazers at 12. And the Lakers at 13 lurking all of those teams can make the playoffs the six teams that are locked into the playoffs right now in the west six the mavericks 32 and 30 clippers 33 and 29 and the suns 33 and 29 they're fourth and fifth the sacramento kings are third in the west right now boris 35 and 25 how about them kings yeah did we call that didn't we say they were going to be half decent 
We said they were going to be in the play-in this year, but I did not expect that. I certainly didn't. But, hey, more power to you, Sacramento Kings. Second in the West, Memphis Grizzlies. And first in the West, Denver Nuggets, 42-19. and uh, They're five games up on the Grizzlies. The Nuggets are. The Nuggets are sick. Yep. Yep. Talking about the NBA. Yeah, the, okay. the West is this. quite interesting. Yeah, I'll get through the East real quick, too. So, yeah, the East play-in teams, it looks like it's probably going to be the Wizards, the Raptors, and the Hawks for sure in the play-in, 10-9-8. Maybe the Bulls could catch the Wizards or the Pacers could catch the Wizards. I doubt the Magic will. So, yeah, it's looking like the the current 10 seed, the Washington Wizards, 28-32. 9 seed, Toronto Raptors, 30-32. 8 seed, Atlanta Hawks, 31-30. And then the Miami Heat. The seventh seed in the East, thirty-two and twenty-nine. That's probably looking like the play-in tournament. Maybe the Bulls or the Pacers will squeak in. Yeah, uh, I can see the Bulls squeaking in somehow. Uh, yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, one thing I think the Heat will probably move up because the Knicks here at sixth in the East, thirty-five and twenty-seven. The Brooklyn Nets. Fifth in the East, 34 and 26. They've traded Kyrie. They've traded Durant. They still have some good players, but I think they're going to fall into the play-in. You know, they'll, they'll still probably be in the top 10, but they're going to fall into the play-in in the, in the final 20 games of the NBA season. Then going to the top four in the Eastern Conference, Cleveland Cavaliers, 39 and 25, having a great season. Philadelphia 76ers at this moment, 39 and 20. So they have a lot of games to play yeah. still. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks 43 and 17, and Boston Celtics 44 and 17. Currently, the best team in the NBA, the Boston Celtics, by winning percentage at 44 and 17. That's a that's a far cry from like you know 10 losses. Fifth, you know, it's like uh, yeah. I like to see this. I like to see this in the NBA. Yeah, a little more parity. We've seen, yeah, we've seen the Warriors go 73-9. and nine. So it's pretty cool to see already a team with 17 losses uh, being the best team in the NBA. How, okay, so we talked about that game. The Dallas Mavericks versus the LA Lakers from Sunday afternoon. That's still probably the second best game I've seen this week. What was the best? Oh, Russell Westbrook's debut. Uh, with the Clippers as he went on to face the Sacramento Kings. 176-175, double overtime win for the Kings. Wow, for the Kings. Wow, that's unbelievable. Um, Do you think a game like that helps the NBA? 175-174, double overtime, bonanza of scoring. Do fans like that at this point? Is that going to help? Is that cool? Oh, that's a tough question. Okay. Here's here's the thing about the NBA. And I'm not sure what, what side of the fence I, I I I lean on. As I talk, I might uh choose a side. So I'm a I'm a, I'm I've heard arguments being said where the NBA is kind of like a game of chess. It's back and forth, right? And you know, the entire game is important because you don't know what's going to happen in the beginning, middle, end. And it's like a game of chess where there's a lot of strategy, blah, 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 blah. Every second counts. The flip side to that argument is game doesn't matter until the last five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> right? And with so with so many threes, that you can uh, erase a deficit so quickly. Yeah, man. Uh, 
I don't know. I watch. I've watched less basketball this year than in a lot of years previous. Although a big reason for that is that the Raptors are worse than we all thought they were going to be. I, I mostly watch Raptors games. I have watched a couple random Jokic games. I watched uh, LeBron break the record. You know, but here, here and there, I'll watch some games. But I've watched a lot less basketball than usual. Same here. Same here. Honestly, actually, you know what's funny? I've watched less Raptors games, but I've watched more everyone else. I'm watching the like the TNT national games. Yeah, I'm not even doing that as much, but I have seen a few here and there. But for me personally, it's hurting. Uh, the The current style of play is is hurting my uh, viewing, <laughs> you know, frequency, pleasure at least. Yes, yes, indeed. But I, I do think it's cyclical. Like, I don't think the NBA is ruined. I think these things are all cyclical, and, and it'll change. Teams will react and counter, and basketball will become something else. It will evolve, and I'm excited for the next evolution because right now I feel it's a little unwatchable. Good what? games are still good. I'll still watch the playoffs, but meh. What do you think is the next evolution? I have a theory on what it is. Well, I I, I think, I don't know, it, it's tough because teams are so in love with the three. I get that three points are worth more than two points. Like, you know what I mean? Like math wise, it makes sense to take a bunch of threes, but we've, uh, we've lost the just mentally. There's like, there's something to easy twos. You don't have to take terrible threes all game. I think more easy twos for lack of a better term. It's just going to be more big men, more like mid range stuff. And like Victor Wembanyama being seven foot five and being able to shoot threes and space the floor and do everything, he's just gonna be. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to see where basketball is going. I, I someday everyone's gonna be seven foot. It's gonna be a, a a minimum requirement to get on the court. You know. Yeah. So Lakers proved it today, right? Easy twos wins games. They can still win games. Easy twos is still is still a good strategy. Um, I think what's going to end up happening is teams are just going to, I don't want to say start body checking players and get bigger players, but I think hitting that three is going to be a little harder. Maybe, maybe. Uh, it's just defenses have to adjust to some extent, but they have it, and that's why games are so unwatchable because it's a lot of contested threes and bad threes over and over and over and over it's again. also a lot of stop, play, stop play stop and go just because of the contested threes so i think that i don't want to say they're going to introduce rule changes but i think the style is going to be a little different i don't know we'll see um but i agree with you that it is harder to watch the nba right now it really really is but i don't know we're in like that awkward phase and we're in that awkward stage yes sir that brings us to our final sports topic College basketball, the only time of year when college basketball is fun, the only time of year when someone who went to Yale could be considered an underdog. Boris, it's March Madness. We love it, baby. <laughs> okay, that guy, that's gold. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not quite March Madness time. What it is is conference tournament time. So if you're unfamiliar with the structure of college basketball, in a quick nutshell, there are 32 conferences with, like, fucking 300 and dickety two teams teams spread out amongst these 32 conferences if you win your conference tournament you make the ncaa tournament no matter what you are given a automatic bid and automatic bid to the ncaa tournament there are 32 conferences 32 tournaments 32 
automatic bids and that fun stuff begins monday february 27th from that point forward basically every game not every single game but basically every game in college basketball is a tournament game and it's going to be a good time it's always a party if you're a gambler you can make some money here and there doing some quick research although there's lots of parody in college basketball this year so proceed with caution on that front but yeah the uh, the tournaments begin with the atlantic sun tournament boris february 27th and then, then it just goes until selection sunday which is march 12th and then we get the big tournament the big old ncaa bracket uh the tournament of 64 i think that starts on the 15th or the 16th of march yeah yeah something like that it's mid-march uh well i think it's the 16th the thursday it's always the thursday so it's yes. the 16th yeah, they do the play-in games, like, because it's not 64 anymore. It's like 68 or 70 yeah. or however the fuck much. I think it's 68, and they do so, some play-in games on the uh, on the 14th and 15th. This is why I love college basketball and these tournament games, tournament-like games. Arizona State, did you see this? Beating number seven Arizona with a 60-foot buzzer beater. Desmond Cambridge Jr. hits a 60-foot shot at the buzzer. Uh, as Arizona State rallied from a 10-point deficit, and they beat number 7th-ranked Arizona State 89-88 in a Pac-12 men's basketball game. That's why I love this stuff. Yeah, it's so sick when that happens in the tournament, too. But, yeah, all these all these teams are playing for their, like, tomorrow, there's two random college basketball games, Florida Gulf Coast versus Queens University and Bellarmine versus North Florida. That's the winner go home in this Atlantic Sun Conference. I don't know. I find college basketball so fascinating. You know, it's so many athletes. The vast majority of them are not going to go on to play professional basketball. And if they do, the vast majority of those are not doing it in the NBA. So this is this is the biggest game of all these kids' lives. And it's a lot of fun to watch college basketball. It's not as polished as the NBA. But you could like it more. It's similar to watching an indie versus WWE, if you want to use that, you know, parallel. Sometimes the indie matches are a little, a little bit of a train wreck. But you know, you catch a good indie match, it's even better than the real thing. <laughs> the <way you> <laughs> Dude, just insulting everyone possible with that. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I love college basketball that. and independent wrestling. I was just being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was gold. That was amazing. <laughs> go college basketball. Go indie wrestling. I love them both. Yes. No, and but go Atlantic Sun Conference. <laughs> oh, my. Have you ever been to a March Madness game? No, no, I have not. I would love to. But, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely need to. Have you? Yes, I have. Dude, so much fun. Okay, this is random. A few years ago, I drove from Toronto to Kansas City. 17-hour drive total. We made a pit stop in St. Louis at like 7 in the morning. And we noticed that there was just a lot of people out for breakfast and stuff. And there's a big mofos out. And I'm like, okay, it's not basketball season. So what the hell is going on? I asked someone, and it was the um, NCAA finals for the wrestling, amateur wrestling oh, in St. Wow. Louis. Bought a ticket, watch some amateur wrestling for a few hours. <laughs> How was that? It was fun. It was insanely fun. 
No one won a tournament with a broken freaking neck. Oh. Boo. <laughs> now, were there any five-star classics? Did you get it? Did someone go through a table? Were there any <laughs> angles? Was there storylines? Was it just booked like Tony Khan books <laughs> AEW Dark? Just random matches? No build? Come on, NCAA. Dead in five years. <laughs> what happened to you tonight? <laughs> I kind of just went off the deep end there. <laughs> no, I... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What am I supposed to say about amateur wrestling? I'm just trying to have some fun on this podcast. I know, dude. I know. Just, <laughs> you're, just, you're just going balls deep in this today. I love it. No, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, so a few years ago, I also caught some uh, games in Buffalo uh, for basketball. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, yeah, if you ever get the opportunity, go do it, man. Just, Just go. Just do it. Fun. It's so much fun. Yeah, they do games in Buffalo every couple of years too. I need to, I need to do that. Buffalo and Detroit gets game get games fairly often. Those are those aren't too hard to get to from Old Toronto. No, nope, it's uh, ninety minutes one direction, four uh, four hours the other. There you go, brother, brother. So yeah, that must be done. That must be done. We're, we're segueing pretty well. You want to you want to use this as a natural segue to talk about pro wrestling and the Ring of Honor television taping. Oh my god, I thought you were going to say something horrendous there, but no, no, yes, let's talk about <laughs> ROH. So I don't want to go through the results or anything, but I no. kind of just want to I just want to talk about this. So, as I mentioned on the Rampage Ramble earlier to on uh, Sunday, uh this Thursday, Friday, Thursday, March the 2nd, Ring of Honor is back on the Honor Club 999. Uh, you can watch some good old Ring of Honor and get their back library. But this Thursday, they are starting the new show. Um, and it was filmed this weekend over the both Saturday and Sunday. And I believe it's the main event of the first show where we're going to see Claudio Castanoli versus A.R. Fox. I'm saying that because it was announced officially on their social medias. Um, but... You know, there's a lot of like a mixed reaction towards these tapings. Yeah, I'm I'm not enthused. I've seen people say they're canceling Honor Club already, which is like, oof, that's that's a rough one. But yeah, no, this honestly, if you read the results, you can judge for yourself. If you watch the shows, you will be able to judge for yourself. So I I can't make a hard and, and fast judgment yet. But to me. Reading these these results and looking at how these shows go sure sounds and feels a lot like AEW Dark. No, it does. A lot of random stuff. There were some angles. It looks like we know what the uh, the main event of Supercard of Honor is going to be. I'm assuming that your boy is going to be in the main event of that though with the angles that they shot. But you never know. You don't know how these ta- I, we don't know about tonight's tapings, right? So. Yeah, well, we're we're getting pretty close to spoiling, so I I think we should just kind of leave it. But Ring of Honor has some mixed reaction for uh, for sure for these tapings, man. Yep. But you know what? The 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 fans of the fans aren't. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, the fans seem a little uh, 50 50, but, you know, I'm going to give it the old college try. Absolutely. We can't judge yet, you know. I'm sure there's going to be some entertaining matches some competitive bouts here but just looking at the names and knowing how tony khan has run dark and dark elevation for the last x years it just feels 
an awful lot like that television show. Yeah, because like looking at the results, what was it like fourteen plus matches on Saturday? Four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, I believe. Yeah. yeah. 19. I think they're either 18 or 19. That's a lot. That's a lot. And from the times, it seems like a lot of them are a little on the shorter side, right? Yes, absolutely. There are some, like, competitive matches, matches that you would see maybe on a Dynamite, we'll say, maybe on a Rampage like some matches that'll Let's probably be, be, be don't don't yeah, be smirch dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. There are a couple dynamite matches, but by and large, rampage at best. And yeah, we're talking probably ten to fifteen minute max. I'm guessing. Again, I was not there. I am just going off what I am reading from the Wrestling Observer board and website. Yeah, I saw some stuff on Reddit. Reddit, uh, I forget why I don't go to Reddit. Or I, rem- I every time I go on Reddit, I remember why I don't go on yeah. Reddit too often. Yeah, around Christmas I was going on Reddit way too much. I've definitely have scaled the Reddit back big time in 2023, and I don't miss it at all. I've also deleted my Twitter, and I feel like I'm way happier. I still check Twitter from time to time because I do have an account for like my uh, my website sportsfap.com, which I rarely update, but that's uh, you know just kind of for like my sports writings and various things anyway. So yeah, I, I'll still check Twitter like once a week or so, and I I'm reminded how little I miss it. Indeed, all 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 things, even the Wrestling Observer board. Like I'll check for like news every couple days, and I'm like, man, like even this, though it it's not as bad as it once was. It can be pretty toxic around there too. Yeah, to say the least. To say the least. All right, do you want to talk some impact? Segway time. No, I was going to say segue time, segue, segue. That's a perfect segue, segue for the Wrestling Observer Awards. But do you want to close with the awards? Because that's a good main event for this podcast. Yeah, let's close with the awards. Uh, we're okay. going to still talk some impact. I want to talk some Keiji Mudo's, uh, the card. Yes, two matches. yes. Two matches. Yes, really, that I want great to focus call. On. Okay, uh, Boris, I'm going to hand you the ball, take a quick little peach nut here, and you, you, my friend, talk some impact. I'll be back halfway through your review. All right, all right, so Impact Wrestling, No Surrender was this past Friday. I'm just going to skip straight into No Surrender. Uh, Overall, my first impressions was the show wasn't the best. Uh, You had some good in-ring, but uh, overall, I think that, uh, I don't know, it just didn't feel like the shows that we've been getting from Impact. Just remember, this was only an Impact Plus special. This wasn't a full-blown pay-per-view, so I'm going to take that into consideration. Uh, We do know what the main event at Rebellion is going to be here in Toronto. I'll talk about that in a second because there was a four-way match that determined that. Uh, so let's go through the No Surrender card. Um, I'll try to go a little quicker. Not going to go blow by blow, but give you the matches, the ending, and my thoughts. So let's start with the pre-show. The first match was Giselle Shaw versus Deanna Perrazzo. Uh Giselle Shaw's really trying to prove that she is now a singles wrestler. I think they're going to push her as a singles wrestler. And her first hurdle, her first roadblock uh, was Deanna Perrazzo. So Giselle Shaw did end up beating Deanna Perrazzo. Um, she hits a running knee to the jaw to get a shock victory. Um, okay match, and I like the fact that, you know, they are giving Giselle Shaw, you know, that 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 push. And, in my opinion, this does not hurt Deanna Peraza whatsoever. 
the second match was one of the better matches of the entire show, and that was Jonathan Gresham versus Mike Bailey. This match was a lot of fun. You know, when you're getting a Gresham-Mike Bailey match, you know it's going to be a good match. Gresham ends up getting the big W here. Um, I think that this was really good. Uh, you know, Bailey hits a tornado kick, missed the Ultimo weapon. Gresham rolls up Bailey for the shock win. Uh, so those are two very good matches for the pre-show. Jumping into the main card, Frankie Kazarian versus Khan from the design eh, match. Frankie Kazarian wins uh, with uh, he ends up winning. And this is a really weird ending. Angels hops on the ring apron. He distracts the referee. Frankie hits him. Callahan grabbed a chair, but he accidentally, question mark, hits Khan with it. Frankie hits his catapult stunner for the pin. Okay, match. All right. Death Dolls, Jessica, Havoc, and Taya Valkyrie defeated the Hex. Uh, Allison K and Marty Bell. So this, they retained the women, the Impact Women's Tag Team titles. I was kind of really hoping for the Hex to win. I like the Death Dolls, but the Hex had such a great run in NWA. You bring them here to Impact. First major match. First major match was a title shot, and they lose to Allison K and Marty Bell. Interesting booking. Sure, why not? It was an all right match. I would have much preferred, I agree with you, to see the Hex win, although I get it. You bring them in, lose their first match. They have somewhere to build to in their impact careers. But, yeah, yeah no, you know, I, I like the Hex a lot. I agree. I do. Joe Hendry versus Moose in a dot combat match. Impact wrestling, I heard there was this. Yes, I heard there was a Sega Dreamcast spot similar to the old ECW spot where Tommy Dreamer would hit Raven with all kinds of things off in a Super Nintendo or a VCR. I guess uh, Joe Hendry hit Moose with a Dreamcast in this thing, right? Hendry then puts VR glasses on Moose's head and we get a split <laughs> screen as Moose sold that he was entertained by what he was watching. Hendry hit a stunner onto a pile of keyboard keys for a near fall because no thumbtacks. It was keyboard keys because this is for the digital media championship. Moose hits a low blow punt kick. Uh, Hendry avoided a spear. They trade roll-ups. Hendry gets a handful of tights to score the win. Yada, yada, yada. I like it. Minor note. Uh, the digital media championship should be on digital media. You have a portion of the show on YouTube why isn't this on YouTube? Isn't it the YouTube title? Am I wrong? Am I missing yeah. something? Oh, you're missing a lot of stuff, I guess. I don't know. I agree wholeheartedly with you. This yeah, title gonna... should be on the pre-show solely. But Yeah, it seems like it. it just to, to quote the great Jonah Hill, cool, I'll just go fuck myself. You're on a roll tonight. Holy crap. <laughs> I love it. All right. This, got this decaf in me. That's, that's what it is. You don't have real caffeine inside you. It's this placebo effect. A small amount of real caffeine. They, they, they don't get all of it. It's like reduced calf, really. Mickey James cuts an awesome promo. Uh, she says she's now in her next chapter that she's champion again. A uh, lot of back and forth. She basically calls out uh, Bully Ray and Misha Slamovich. Oh, do I really want to talk about this? The busted open stuff. Dreamer and Ray back and forth, yada, yada, yada. Stuff happens. 
they hate each other. So, Our, yeah, so so yeah, this is building towards Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer in a busted open match because of busted open radio. I assume that's first blood. Cool. Yep. Steve Macklin, Brian Myers, PCO, and Heath, uh, they were in a four-way, and Steve Macklin got his big W. Steve Macklin versus the champion at Rebellion in Toronto. What uh, what a random WWE Universe mode match this is. This is Quebecer Pierre versus Heath Slater versus Kurt Hawkins. I don't even remember Steve Macklin's name in the Forgotten Sons. Was he Steve Cutler? Something I don't like know. That, he was right? forgotten. I have forgotten the Forgotten Son's name, but yeah, a Forgotten Son versus an Edgehead versus a member of the Core, C-O-R-R-E, versus a Quebecer in a fatal four-way for the European title. Yep, that's pretty much what it (laughs) felt like, Uh, but Steve Macklin wins. It was an okay match, right? I don't know. Um, I'm not fully sold on Macklin. I'm not fully sold on him. I know he. I know Josh Alexander is going to get a great match out of him, but I'm yeah. not fully sold just yet. Josh Alexander at home, dude. I cannot wait for that match at Rebellion. No doubt. We've seen we've seen him rise to the occasion before, though. He had a really good match or two with uh, Chris Bay. He's had some good stuff in the X division. Uh, Macklin's okay. Yep. Trey Miguel shows up. He's angry that he's not on the show. He said that if AJ Styles or Samoa Joe were still the X Division champions, they'd definitely be on the show. Uh, he kind of taunts PCO, who's still on the floor from the last match. Uh, PCO gets up. He gets choke slammed, And I guess that's a way to set up PCO and Trey Miguel for the X Division championship. Huh. All right. Well, yeah, PCO. You think he's going to win the X Division title, the old man title no. push? No. no. I think they... Look, so Trey Miguel had an awesome Monsters Ball match uh, against Crazy Steve this past Thursday. I think they're really trying to build him up as this tough motherfucker. Uh, So I think he's going to have a hellacious match against PCO again to build him up. He'll eventually lose, I'm going to say, to Diener or Callahan to one of those two for the title. And we're going to see Trey Miguel versus Josh Alexander. And my guess is that Trey Miguel will be the one to dethrone Josh Alexander. Uh, you, uh, uh, except, except for that last part, I'm with you at the end. There. I think, the, the, I the, think the, that's the, where the it's in, going. The in-between part where Sammy Callahan takes the title off Trey Miguel, big you, big thumbs down for me. But I do like Trey Miguel being the one to dethrone Josh Alexander. Also, we have uh, we have hot breaking news off the wire, Boris. The Tampa Bay Lightning have acquired Tanner Janot from the Nashville Predators. That's a pretty good trade for Tampa. That's the, that's the kind of player they love in Tampa Bay. Hard-nosed man to play on the bottom six. He's uh he's a young player, but he's got a lot of grit. They traded Cal Foot, who is a uh, a good defensive prospect in Tampa. They moved him back to Nashville, and five draft picks. Okay, uh, apparently uh, a first, protected a second, a third, uh, a, um, a first in twenty twenty five. I don't know if it's protected. The second in twenty twenty four, and then a third, a fourth, and a fifth in twenty twenty three. The second, third, fourth, and fifth are not protected at all. The first, I'm not sure, but it's 2025 first rounder. I don't think it's protected, but no word on that yet. That that's a win for Very Tampa. Very interesting. 
Win for Tampa. It's a huge win for Tampa. Huge win for Tampa, I think. Yeah. Uh, Cal Foot might end up being good, though. That could be good for Nashville as well. But yeah, it's a perfect player for Tampa to slot into the top six. Tough news for the Leafs to have to play against that guy in the playoffs round one. Yep. Uh, speaking of big wins, the Bullet Club, ASOS and Chris Bay uh-huh. and Kenta got a huge win against Time Machine's Chris Sabin, and Alex Shelley, Kachita. 20-minute match. Matthew, watch this match. Yes. This might end up on the list. I've heard some great things about this match. It seems like it's it's lived up to the hype. We were talking about this for a couple weeks. Bullet Club versus Time Machine. I'm glad. So, yeah, I'll definitely check this one out. Big homie. Very, very good match. I really enjoyed this. Uh, this match was long. This match had it all a lot of near falls. Near falls, that made sense. You got your typical indie wrestling near falls shenanigans in the end. Uh, Kushida hits a moonsault out of nowhere. Ace Austin gets a roll up to pin Sabin. That's how it went down. Everyone, watch this match. Match of the night, in my opinion. Nice. Well, this was a stacked impact card looking at it because they had two world title uh, matches to close out the show here. Eh? Dang. Yep. For uh, for an impact plus special, it was pretty like it was a stacked card. But it, like I say, it wasn't their strongest card. I honestly think that what was good was good. What was bad was impact. Absolutely. Fair. Fair assessment. Well, let's talk about these two matches. Mickey James defeats Masha Slamovich. This was a good match as well. Uh, Masha Slamovich is, is, is continuing to prove why she's awesome. Um, she's doing some interesting stuff in the indies with GCW, uh, but here on Impact, she's having a lot of fun. Uh, I think that this is a lot of, this match was good. Masha hits a halluva kick. Uh, she hits a second one. She goes for a monkey flip, but Mickey blocked it and got a roll up out of nowhere. So here's my, here's at this point. So I was covering this show for Slam. I was having issues with Impact uh, Plus, so I didn't watch this show until like midnight. The amount of roll-ups that ended matches really pissed me off. Oh, <laughs> your favorite spot. Were there distractions thrown yeah. in for some? roll-ups and distractions <laughs> and roll-ups out of nowhere. It was just like, oh, I know you, you want to get the three, pit, the three count, right? Fantastic. But you might as well just like, do a DQ or something if you're going to constantly do roll. But having roll up after roll up after roll up, I think this is the fourth roll up of the night. It was way too much. Way too much. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even watching this show, so I obviously have no argument. Yeah, dang. Another great match. Josh Alexander defeats Rich Swan in 25 minutes, 15 seconds. Awesome. Glad to see Rich Swan back in the main event. Love that man. All yeah. night long, Boris. You mean, okay, look. We knew that we know that Josh Alexander is good. This was Swan's comeback, in my opinion. Yeah. It's been two nice. years and he hasn't really done too much. Yeah, he had an okay run with uh good old Willie Mack in the tag team division. Uh, but you know, this is someone who went up against Kenny Omega two years ago, right? Like and then he just disappeared. So this was Swan's, thankfully not his Swan song. Needed to get that line in. Um, but it was his good comeback. They were given the time to make this great. I really, 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 really like this. This was awesome. So Josh Alexander catches him after um, Swan goes for a handspring back stunner. He hits a pile driver a second pile driver, and then a C4 spike pile driver to get the win. So 
he needed two pile drivers, a reversal, two pile drivers, and a C4 spike pile driver to win in 26 minutes. Dang. Yeah, so they put over Rich uh, pretty strong there, it yeah. sounds like. And yep. I am here for it. That's good. Yep. So all in all, like I say, okay match. I think the last uh, three matches of the show, so Bullet Club, Mickey, and Josh Alexander were great. The undercard were more. I saw more misses than hits. The pre-show was the pre-show. Both matches made sense. Uh, out of the pre-show, watch Jonathan Gresham versus Mike Bailey. They were given 11 minutes. But overall, I would give this show just above the Mendoza line. Nice. All right, man. Fair enough. It's uh, Impact doing some good things other than uh, Bully Ray. <laughs> yep. All right. So, yeah, Muda Show. Quickly, let's talk about the big, the two big matches from the Muda Show. We got to talk about champion versus champion. The New Japan IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Kazuchika Okada, versus Noah, GHC Heavyweight Champion, Kaito Kiyomiya. And then, of course, Muta's retirement versus Naito. So uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about Okada and, and uh, Kaito Kiyomiya. This match went about 17-ish minutes, I think. Um, looking through my notes. Yes, 17, 16, 50 I got. Uh, good match. Very good match. Kaito Kiyomiya, I want to see him in New Japan Pro Wrestling so bad to get this win back. I don't care whether awesome. he's Noah or New Japan wrestler. He's going to get this win back somehow because this match was great. You know, Okada put on his best Hogan gimmick. Like, you know you know what we've always talked about? Like Hogan, where he cheated to win. He's an asshole to win even when he was the face. That was Okada in this match. Yeah, he was, he was the heel in this match. He played the heel. I did not watch it yet, but yeah, yeah, just from reports, you can tell that he was playing, playing the heel. Just in, in the build to this match, he was playing the heel. So I can't wait to see it. The person on the Wrestling Observer website who wrote the uh, Chick Fritz is his name. He wrote the review for this. He said this was his favorite match of the year so far, surpassing even even the great Omega versus Osprey match. This Okada versus Kiyomiya is his easily my favorite of the year. He says an extraordinary match, and he agrees. He hopes it's not the end of this pairing. Yep, I. It's up there. It'll be up there on the list. It'll be top five of the list for sure, at least right now. Ooh. Um, but I don't think it's number one. I don't think it's number one just yet. Fair enough. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get me Arson gear and watch a couple of these matches here. Dude, the list of things to watch is building up. <laughs> Noah's fun. We gotta cover more Noah. I, I watch Noah here and there. I don't. I still try to watch wrestling for the fun of it. I don't talk about all the wrestling yeah. I watch. And Noah's one of the promotions. But I think that's going to change a little bit i want to give noah a little bit of love because you know what i love the most about noah what's that their production yeah man that's been getting a lot of love especially the entrance that muto made in this final match naito versus muto but yeah noah's production's been getting a lot of love on the internet uh, since this show so yes keiji muto's final match tetsuya naito versus keiji muto the pomp of the circumstance i guess it wasn't yeah technically it wasn't because he had one more at the end of this thing the secret main event once again once again tetsuya naito gets screwed 
Can't even main event at the Tokyo Dome. There was indeed a secret main event after this where Masahiro Chono uh, ran in, in quotation marks, stumbled into the ring, cane in hand, <laughs> and uh, gave gave an STF to uh, to Muto. So that was fun. Yeah. But yes, yeah. tell me tell me about Naito versus Muto. This was this was list worthy as well, right? Like Naito got a good match out of Muto here, didn't he? Naito. Oh my god. Like the fact that he was able to get a good match out of old man Muto. And I don't I don't mean old man in like a in a mean way. I mean the guy is beat up. He's wrestled so much over the past month and a half. He's had some insane matches over the past month and a half. Mainly his his uh uh the 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 great Muto Muda uh bye-bye, right? Like that match was crazy. Like just brutal for for anyone. But a man of his age, come on. So Naito really, really put on a hell of a show. Dude, this match went 29 minutes. Uh, Naito won after a Destino. There was a few blocks. There was the usual Muda stuff. Uh, he tried to go for some Shining Wizards, but uh, uh, Naito had a answer for all that. He won with a Destino, as you just said. After the match, Muda challenged Masahiro Chono, who was at ringside uh, doing some commentary. Chono accepted, and Tiger Hattori served as the special guest referee. Um, this match only went under two minutes, and Chono submitted Keiji Muto to end the illustrious, legendary career. Amazing, man. I can't wait to see this. Like you said, the production values that will be like this is one that you can't watch on your phone or even your laptop. Like throw it on the TV if you can. You got to experience the whole thing loud. And yeah, I'm glad that they have a crowd that could have cheered. They had to wait this long no wonder uh Muda retired 17 times took him longer to friggin finish than the third lord of the rings movie just kept uh, retiring and retiring and retiring again boris yep, but great yeah, attendance. it seems like it was a proper fight yes great attendance. yeah what was the attendance Thirty-one thousand compared to a little under less than that for wrestle kingdom but this is oh wow you know keiji Muda's grand final pro wrestling yeah. last love no doubt, man. That is huge, though. Outdrew Wrestle Kingdom. Good for them. Good for Noah. Wow. Yep. Very good for Noah. And like I said, production was great. The just the set looked beautiful. No doubt, man. No doubt. Obviously, you can't quite compare KG Muto to Mickey James. And this is a different. This is a whole podcast itself, maybe. But I feel like Tony Khan left a lot of the, on the table by not signing Mickey James and doing this whole thing himself. He could have had a, a dedicated pay per view, a Mickey James retirement show similar to the KG Muto show. He could have put it on pay per view. It could have sold a lot of tickets. And it's just TNA should do that, but it's something that AEW could have done to really bolster their women's division and ha is have this Mickey James story happening in AEW. It's just a pay per view called Hard Country. <laughs> well, they've already got that pay per view. That's uh, that's on a different channel, though, Boris. That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the way they spell country, it's it's spelled <laughs> differently. Anyway, let's let's. <laughs> The Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards 2023, big homie. I think that's where we should go. Can close we remind, this thing off. We before can... we do this, can we please <laughs> remind everyone that this is voted on by the fans, by the subscribers? Yeah, 
by the readers. You don't have to be a subscriber, I don't think. Maybe you do. I think it is just just readers, friends, and well wishers of the Wrestling Observer newsletter. So yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and read all of them because that's that is a two hour podcast in and of itself. But yeah, the uh, Wrestler of the Year, John Moxley, edges out Roman Reigns. It was a close battle. Moxley won. Uh, Tag Team of the Year, FTR, makes sense. Best on interviews, MJF1, John Moxley 2, CM Punk 3. Sounds about right. Promotion of the Year, AEW1, Stardom 2, WWE 3. So I think on our year-end show, I, I, I gave Stardom some love, but I said if you if you put a gun to my head for real, probably I would say WWE. Excuse me. I don't think you could say All Elite Wrestling was the promotion of the year last year. So... I've been thinking about this. The year and of the I brawl out. You. The year of the great bomb. I agree with you. Here's the thing. AEW. Great first half. Great three quarters. That last quarter, though, was rough for AEW in every aspect. In every aspect. In every single aspect. From backstage to the shows to quality of the shows, I feel like Toronto got effing screwed uh, with their Dynamite and Rampage because of just the sheer amount of wrestlers missing. Um, you know, there was, it, there was a lot of turmoil in AEW for that last quarter, whereas on the flip side, you know, WWE had a pretty good, I would say, last six months of the year. So it depends, you know, six on one, half, and, half a dozen of the other, right? Like, you know, that's what it all came down to. But I think what was bad for AEW was really bad, right? Yeah, I think you're right. It's just so bad that you can't justify calling them the promotion of the year. Nor can you justify calling Tony Khan Booker of the year. And he did win yet again the Booker of the Year award. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. I don't care for that one at all. Like, you can't. I'm sorry. You hey, can't. Tony- Tony Khan, 372 votes. Rossi Ogawa from Stardom, 327 votes. And Triple H, Paul Levesque, 183 votes. So he only won by like 50 votes. But still, I think that's 50 votes too many. No offense to Tony Khan, who deserved it every previous year he won it. But this one this one was bad. He was not the booker of the year. Again, look at where this is coming from. That's why I wanted to make a really important case that this is voted by people who... Who who lean on the observer? It's it's the friends and well wishers of the Wrestling Observer Awards. That's what it is. So it it's it's shaped around Dave Meltzer's tastes. It's the way it's going to be, uh, you know. But such is life. Uh, I that's not even to say that Dave Meltzer is unfairly uh, for AEW. I think he criticizes AEW the the right amount. I think he's he's perfectly fair with his AEW takes these days <laughs> anyway there's maybe a time where he was pumping up AEW a little hard but he was just i think that was genuine he, he was very excited for what AEW was bringing to the table but again okay you know what my takeaway from all this was let's not let's let's move away from the tribalism AEW versus wwe stuff you and i don't partake in that for the most part i do jokingly because it's funny <laughs> too dark sucks um but stardom let's Put some love on stardom. I don't watch it enough. Yeah, you watch it slightly more than me. But yes, it just seems some of the best matches for sure. And it just seems storytelling is good. People who are stardom fans love stardom. They've been fans for their, not their their whole lives, but they like, it seems like once you really get into it, you stay with it and you, you get invested in these characters. 
and they grow and they become, you know, great wrestlers in front of your eyes. And then sometimes they go to WWE and become Oscar or Io Shirai or Saray, who got a rough deal in NXT 2.0. She needs to come back. But yeah, man, uh, stardom never disappoints when we watch it. Even bad stardom shows are still good because they're so much fun. Mm. For the most part. For the most part. All right, Matt. Anything else before we wrap yeah. things up? You hear the music. Yeah, I'll just... Yeah, just... I, the worst ofs were fun, too. I'm still going to... Two or three of them while the music is going. Worst television show, WWE Raw. Sounds about right. Yep. Worst match of the year, McAfee versus McMahon. Oh, God, at WrestleMania. That was terrible. Rick Flair's last Rick Flair's last match was number two worst of the year. Also bad. Worst feud of the year, Miz versus Dexter Loomis. That's about right. Worst promotion of the year, WWE edged out NWA and control your narrative. That's hot garbage. That is a garbage sandwich on the beach. That is, get the fuck out of here. NWA is the worst promotion by far. Control your narrative is barely even a thing. I don't even think you can count that as a promotion. That's pretty much where I wanted to leave it. Promoter of the year, booker of the year, Tony Khan. Uh, you, you should have signed Mickey James. That's my hot take. All right. There you go. Thank you for listening to us. As always, we are Bam, Boris, and Matt, and we chat some sports. We chat some entertainment. We bring it all together. Chat some sports and keep it locked here on Sunday Night's Main Event. All the shows, all the reviews, all the pop culture. That's Sunday Night's Main Event. Uh, thank you for listening to us as always. I know this was a kind of like a, a jam-packed, kind of all over the place kind of show. But that's what you get here on BAM. We talk a little bit about everything, but not a lot about one thing. I've got to put that on a shirt. <laughs> it's, it's not going to sell very many shirts. It's pretty worth Except for myself. I don't care. If it's all I want. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, put it on your own shirt. Yeah, man. He's Matt. I'm <laughs> Boris. You need some caffeine. Stay tranquilo. That's what I need at 11 o'clock Eastern here. Uh, Dig it.